Welcome to Glasgow Evangelicals Podcast. Thanks for listening with us today. Our hope is that today's sermon equips you to live the gospel joyously. Come along with us as we learn to live the gospel together. Yeah, dads. Uh, I'm going to tell you the earliest kind of memories that I have of, of my dad, uh, I was born in Vancouver, Washington, and so um, my dad had a pretty long commute because we lived in Vancouver, and my dad worked in, uh, in Portland, Oregon, downtown, and, um, and he'd come home every night right around 6 o'clock, and I'd be starving as a kid, and, and I'm going to tell you that this is probably the memories that I always have of my dad is he would come in the door, and the very first question that I would ask him, or I'd run to him and say, hey, dad, how are you? And then the very first question I'd ask him is, do you have any gum? Now, the rule in our house was, is that my dad, uh, like before dinner, you didn't spoil, you didn't spoil your dinner. But if dad had gum in his mouth, you could have it. And so that was like what I did. I took my dad's ABC gum all the time. Now, you might think that that's disgusting, okay? But I have an amazing immune system now. No, <laughs> I just always remember that. I was always kind of like, Dad, can I have your gum? And uh, it was always still fresh. I don't know why. Um, but maybe my dad was smart enough to get the gum right. I don't know. But you guys think I'm weird now. But guess what? I got gum and my kids and my brothers didn't. So there you go. Uh, I spent most of my life actually uh, being pretty angry and confused with my dad. Uh, my dad is kind of the get it done type of guy. He is a motivated, keep your eyes on the prize. Um, and he, he's just like, let's do this. And so um, if there was anybody who was a type A, that's my dad. Um, I, on the other hand, am a, a distracted pinball, uh, bouncing around everywhere, trying my whole entire life to please my dad. And so uh, it was pretty interesting because my dad was a, a PK. Uh, if you don't know what PK stands for, that's a pastor's kid. Uh, he grew up uh, pretty much his whole entire life as a pastor's kid. And then uh, we always kind of joked with uh, our brothers that we were PKs also. We are still PKs now, but uh, we started out as plumber's kids. Um, and so uh, he worked for a wholesale plumbing business. And I remember constantly going to uh, the warehouse that he was at. Uh, they were a ma major manufacturer from Kohler. And their warehouse was amazing because it all had like running water and everything like that. So they do like family nights. You get to like hop in the jacuzzis and use the shower. It was pretty cool. Um, and so, but... Um, then later on in life, we became PKs. Uh, my dad is now a pastor, and so uh, probably right around the time that I started here, so which is it's just kind of funny, but um, my dad and I, uh, we owned growing up. Uh, we'll get some. I'll, I'll, I'll wrap up for you my angry and confused days with my dad. Um, we grew up owning an 85 Chevy Suburban. Now, um, I... If I could find an 85 Chevy Suburban that looked like this, I would buy it again because um, I think that Suburban kind of wraps up my whole entire life with my dad. Uh, because not only did uh, we spend probably the first few years of owning it, the engine, it was our main family vehicle. And so the first few years that we owned this vehicle, the engine blew like right away. And so... Um, 
And so we ended up kind of restoring and always having to go back into it. And I was always the kid because I wanted to please my dad, spent tons of time with my dad fixing that vehicle up. Um, I, that's probably about the only thing that I know how to fix up in life is an 85 Chevy Suburban. You get something else around me, I don't know how to do it. But summed up a lot of things because um, my dad would probably spend double the amount of time fixing the Suburban because um, I always wanted to please my dad so much that as soon as he put a tool down, I'd pick it up and take it and put it away. Right? And then he'd be like, where's that tool? Right? And then he'd start kicking tires and doing different things like that. And so um, we spent hours fixing that thing. I learned how to drive in that thing. In fact, actually, I failed my driver's exam twice because of that vehicle because it was such a big vehicle. Try parallel parking and an 85 Chevy Suburban. I failed twice, right? Went up on the curb once and then I was like 20 feet away from the curb the second time. I spent a lot of time with my dad in that thing. But see, we spent so much time fixing it up that there was one road trip that my dad and I went on that completely changed the way I had my relationship with my dad. I was 13 years old and we actually didn't take this road trip with the Chevy Suburban. We took this with a little Toyota pickup. And we went all the way down to Denver. In fact, actually it was to um, bury his grandmother, my great grandma. And as we went down on that trip, it was just me and him the whole entire time. And we, he, of course, I couldn't drive, but he did. And um, we went down and I, I remember just having all sorts of conversations and not understanding like, oh my goodness, like I didn't know this type of person before. He was a person that was encouraging. He was a person that would ask me tons of questions and, and wonder where I am in life and what I want to do and all of these things. Because you see, um, I had four brothers and two of my brothers gelled with my dad so easily because they loved guns and they loved fishing and they loved hiking. I loved football. My dad didn't play football because he ruined his knees when he was in junior high because of football. And so we really didn't have much in common, but in all of a sudden, this whole world opened up to me because we got to talk about lots of different things. And, and I remember that the only way that he could stay awake on this trip was by making sure I stayed awake by hitting me every once in a while, right? Hey, stay awake, right? And so that, that would make him stay awake and our punches got heavier and heavier and it was lots of fun. <laughs> For him, I think, no, I, I did have fun. But all of a sudden, the suburban thing took on a whole nother character for me because from then on, I loved getting in the suburban after that trip with my dad. I started, it started out as fixing a suburban. And then, after a while, it turned into enjoying a suburban. We went on so many trips in that thing, road trips, hunting trips, sporting events. My parents took us out to constantly where my brothers, um, my dad would let me, I can't believe it, I was 17 years old and he let me take it all the way to Missoula. He asked me how fast I drove it and I said 95. The speedometer hit 85. But he still trusted me. But you know what I remember most about the Suburban is all the amazing conversations we would have because my dad would be in the front seat and all of a sudden ask a spiritual conversation. Hey, what do you think about angels? What do you think about this? What do you, how do you process this? 
And we would get to talking and then pretty soon all of a sudden, instead of my dad telling me what to do, it was almost as if it was a switch to encouraging me to do stuff. And so if there's everything I, I ever remember about my relationship with my dad, it's that Suburban, 1985. Somebody wants to buy one for me, that'd be awesome. But I understand that there is much sadness when we come to the point of talking about fathers. Because some of us have had fathers that weren't the best. Maybe we haven't been the best fathers. There's sadness that comes because some of us hasn't, haven't had the chance to be fathers, even though we've wanted to. But my hope today through this whole entire conversation with you guys is that we'd be equipped today to see the gospel view of fatherhood. To those of us who wish that we were better fathers, I hope that we can see a little bit of encouragement to go, all right, let's reorientate myself a little bit. Maybe your kids are already gone. That doesn't mean that you've stopped being a father. Maybe it's switched from fixing to enjoying. So those of us who wish we had better, better fathers, I hope that you would see the heart of God through this today and know that you are his child. When you accept his purpose, you receive Christ and you live by the Spirit. Because God offers his fatherhood to anyone who believes. And for those of us who are going to be fathers someday, my hope is that you would desire a biblical foundation through this piece of scripture today. And so, if you have your Bibles, please open with me to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. And we're going to focus really on one verse, verse 21, but we're going to start in verse 20. Colossians chapter 3, verse 20 says this. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Wow, that's a great verse, Seth. Thanks for choosing it for me. Awesome. Let's pray. Lord, as we open up this piece of scripture, uh, would we realize that this is packed with so much truth? Lord, that we would, as fathers or who have had fathers or uh, just people who want to be better Christians, Lord, that we would open up this verse and realize that it's, that it's you speaking to us. And that, God, we could absolutely look at this verse as something really hard. But, man, maybe, Lord, it's something that we look forward to. So God, would you speak to us this morning? Would you help us figure this out? In your name we pray, amen. All right, so let's focus on verse 21 here. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. And I, I read that verse over and over again and I was trying to figure out why would we need to talk about this as, uh, as for Father's Day. Because if you look at this, I think that this is a really downer verse. 
right? We've got the very first one, fathers do not, right away, do not. And then you have this word provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. It's all about negativity. But then I wanted to change this around. And what if we said this, fathers, please stir up your children so that they can be encouraged. And so if we actually looked at it in that aspect, man, what, what would it look like? Because I think that we need to encourage our children a little bit more. I don't know about you as a father, but I think a lot of my life is about making my kids do what I want. This week we had a perfect example of this. My proud moment as fatherhood is we're riding our bikes because you remember we gave up kind of driving as we're riding them and um, we had to wear helmets. And my children are having a hard time wearing helmets and, and of course they ask me, why aren't you wearing a helmet? And I'm, well, because I'm your dad, right? Because I'm, I'm 18. <laughs> and my rationale was, because I'm willing to take the insurance hit on this one, buddy. If I fall down, I'm willing to take the insurance hit. If you, if, you know, if you, who, whatever, it doesn't, doesn't matter. Just the stupid rationale that we have. And then at one point, my son, one of them, uh, just, just is having the hardest time getting over the fact that he has to wear his helmet. And I'm like, well, he's like, he looks at me and I said, I, and I just said, well, why can't you be happy? He says, well, I know why you're happy. And I said, why is that, buddy? And he goes, because you're not wearing a helmet. And so I grabbed the helmet. I, my, another proud father moment, I grabbed the helmet off of him, right? Like I, I'm dumb, I pinch his skin, of course, and I grab the helmet and put it on my head. Right? And I just look like this dork because this thing is like sitting right up here as I'm riding. And I'm pretty sure the kings drove by. Uh, and so like, I'm like all waving at them, you know, and I just, yeah. And I look at it and I go, I just provoked my son because now he's discouraged. And so then at some point he's like, can I please have my helmet back? And, I please, and so we gave his helmet back before we got to where we were going and and then all of a sudden, like, <laughs> uh, he, my son looks at me again and he says, well, I bet you're happy again now because you don't have to wear a helmet, right? And then all of a sudden, I just started busting out laughing, and he did too. But I wonder, why is it that we so easily provoke our children? Is it because we want what we want? Or is it because we don't realize that we desire to encourage them, but instead we discourage them by making them do what we want to do. And so today I've titled this message, The Encouraging Father. And if we look at this, the very first one, if you're taking notes with me, if you still are, they're on, it's on the side screen. And that I, I want to work backwards in this, okay? I don't, I, I don't want to work forwards in starting with fathers. I want to start with the very last part of this. So that they are encouraged. I wonder if we would do everything out of encouragement. Encouragement to do the hard things. Encouragement to live the gospel of Jesus Christ. Instead of, instead of making them do what we want them to do, but encouraging them. You know, Virginia has an amazing statement in our, um, our, our household right now that as kids are as kids aren't doing exactly what they should be doing, 
one of the questions we ask them is, is there sin in your heart right now? Is there sin in your heart? Are you sinning right now? And really that's for us to be able to have that conversation, encouraging them. And so I thought about this and I thought about, well, what do I want to encourage my kids with? What things do I want to encourage them to do? And, and, and I think that um, after looking at all the verses, I, I really boiled it down to 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And this is what it says. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. What if as people we decided to encourage our children or pretty much anybody, right? I, I really feel like this sermon is not just for fathers and, and their kids, but everybody. But if you're a father here, please take this to heart for your kids. Are we encouraging them in faith? Or are we discouraging them away from the faith? Are we encouraging them to attach themselves to Jesus Christ or are we showing them that the most important thing is that we have faith in our job and that we go to work and we work so hard for the money that we get so that we can have faith in our money because our money is what actually drives things or that we have bigger, better, nicer things so that we can do everything. And it would have been so easy for my dad to sit there and just get rid of the Suburban and buy a new vehicle. We can always trade up, but I sometimes wonder what we're teaching our kids when we don't do the hard things, the faith in Jesus Christ. You know, one of the things that I was impressed by my dad is um, we were in Vancouver and we were doing great. In fact, actually, my dad really wasn't in the sales part of the business. He was actually all in the financing, right? He was the manager of uh, payables, whatever that is, receiving and payables. And he went to his boss and he said, man, I, I, I can't justify my job for the amount of time that I don't get to be with my kids. And so I'm moving back to Montana. And later on, I found out that, uh, man, as, as we're, we're doing things, my, my, my dad gave up so much worldly things because he knew that having a relationship with Jesus Christ and his kids having a relationship and spending more time with them was far more important. My dad taught me that it wasn't about money, but that it was about doing what God is asking us to do, about having faith in our relationship with Jesus Christ, having faith that all things are going to work out. Because there were days when I'm pretty sure that it wasn't, I felt like it wasn't going to work out. But my mom and dad were always, no, we're doing exactly the right thing. What are you teaching your kids to have faith in? And the second one is, are you encouraging your kids to have hope? Are you encouraging your kids to have hope? I think this is one of those things that we can uh, quickly go down the rabbit hole and discourage our kids in hope. I wonder if we have a kingdom view about what hope looks like or are we constantly stealing their hope? We're going to get to that a little bit more um, in just a second, but I, I wonder if we're hope givers or hope stealers. 
hope that it doesn't have to be the way it is. That as we see God walking through with us, that there is something different. We give them hope that they're excited about being fathers and mothers someday. Like I said, I'm going to get into that in just a second. And the last thing is this, so that they are encouraged in love. Hey, would you go back to uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 13 for me really quickly? This is what I find amazing about all three of these. So now faith, hope, and love abide. That means that they're all together, that they're not separate, that they're not, uh, I'm going to do this at one point and then this. No, they're all intertwined together. That faith, hope, and love are all intermingled. You cannot have one without the other. We cannot have love and not show what faith we need to be in. We cannot have love and, and not share the hope that we have. We cannot have faith without love as well. And so, if we're encouraging them in faith, hope, and love, I think the next part is what, what brings us to the practical application, and it's this. Number two, would you please stir up? Would you please stir up? The word provoke in this, um, in this verse in Colossians 3.20 is interesting because it says, do not provoke your children. There's one other, there's actually three times that this word is used. The other time this word is used is in Ephesians chapter 5, which is the exact same verse um, as this verse is, but there's also one other one where it's used, and it's actually talking about their zeal stirring up inside of people something to do. And so when I looked at this word, I, I just thought it was amazing that it's not only used in terms of provoking, right? We can provoke people the wrong way, but this word is also used by Paul in terms of, hey, let's stir up in them something to do. But stir up in them something to do. And I thought, man, if faith, hope, and love all abide, and the greatest of these is love, then what could we as fathers do to bring them along and stir up things in them? And the only thing I could come to is, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7. There is 14 different aspects of love in this piece of scripture. And so let's read them together. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. I was really excited to look at this because I thought to myself, man, I am super loving to my kids. Like I am excited to go into this. And so this whole entire week, I've been asking God to show me where I'm not doing this very thing. And so on Tuesday night, I was the most patient person with my daughter at 930 at night when she was screaming because she was hungry and she wanted so many different foods. And I was like, yes, this is where I can show patience. You guys believe that. You are fooled. I looked at my daughter. She's sitting in the corner. I'm like, you're not having a banana. 
It's not going to happen. I told you you could have a carrot. And my wife is looking at me like, Seth, she's five years old. She hasn't had a nap yet. Why don't you just pick her up and put her in bed? And I looked at her, I was like, fine. I picked her up, I put her in bed, and my daughter was asleep in five minutes. Do you realize that we do that all the time? We fight with five-year-olds. I, I know that there are plenty of you who know that you've fought with a five-year-old. How many of you have tried to reason with an 11-year-old? It's unbelievable, right? All of a sudden, you start these tactics of, well, fine, your dad's not fun either, right? Like... It's just weird. But I want to know, what if it started with being patient? What if it started to realize that, wait a second, this whole fixing thing is going to take a little bit of time. Later, later on, man, we can enjoy one another. Because really, patience is only getting them to do what I want them to do, right? When I don't have patience, it is because something in me, my selfishness, isn't being met. Really, I'm mad at my daughter because I want a banana too, and I need her to go to bed so I can have my banana. And that's what I did. The next thing is this, is love is kind. And how are you with your words with your kids? Are you abrasive? I know I am. I know that when I'm tired, I'm not the most kind person. In fact, actually, my kids make it very well known that, uh, Dad, we can tell that you don't want to be with us right now. Or maybe the kindness is, maybe the kindness simply isn't just coming home after a long days of work and sitting on a couch and reading my book and doing what I want to do but it's about interacting with my kids, about wanting to see what's going on in their life. And I am the worst at this. I bring home all my thoughts from the whole entire day, even though I'm not gonna share them with my family. I still bring them home and I sit there and I brood over them. And, and there's this saying because uh, um, my wife is amazing at this. Um, we love The Incredibles at our house, and I'm so excited to watch Incredibles 2. And if you spoil the movie on me before I get to go watch it, I may be not kind to you. <laughs> but there's this part in the movie where uh, the whole entire family is sitting around the table, and uh, Elastigirl, right, the mom, is trying to like, control all of her kids, and she's doing this, and, and the dad is just sitting there reading the newspaper. And she's like, Bob, it's time to engage, right? And so all of a sudden he engages by lifting everybody's table, which I can do, lifts the table and like all the kids, like stopping all the kids. She's like, I'm engaging. Are you happy with this? And my wife is amazing because she's like, hey, Bob, where are you today? Right? I'm like, oh yeah, I need to be kind. I need to be present. I need to be here. But what are we saying to our kids when we're not being kind? When we're not saying things at all, but we're just simply mad? How many of you guys grew up with a father who 
you know their mood exactly when they shut the door at the house. When they walk in the door, how they walk in, what's the first thing that they say? And I hope that you guys can come to the point of going, I don't want to be that way. I want to be patient. I want to be kind. I'm not going to go through all of these in the extent that I've done this one, but it goes on. Don't have any envy. What are you teaching your kids when you're looking at people, other people's stuff? When you're looking at other people's vehicles, you're looking at their boats. There might be some of you fathers here who even have um, suggestive magazines sitting around the house. Are you instilling in them envy, wanting things that you don't have? Are you setting up examples to say, wait a second, I don't want to show anybody that I'm not okay with what I have here. Is it okay to dream? Yep, absolutely. Love doesn't boast. Love isn't about comparing your son to anybody else or your daughters to anybody else. But it's about saying, I love you where you're at right now. Love isn't arrogant. Love is not rude. That one hit me really hard because I had to realize finally that, man alive, I was listening to my daughter as I was going outside the house and, and I so badly wanted my way. And she started, started telling me a story yesterday and then I, I, I was looking at her and then she was telling me and I turned around like this and I started saying something else and all of a sudden I was like, wait a second, wait a second. I went back to her and I said, I didn't listen to a single thing you just said. And she's like, that's okay, dad, I still love you right? And she was just sitting there just going, I, I don't want us to be rude. Would you listen up? It's not irritable. Man, we get irritated at the easiest things, don't we, dads? It's not resentful. We don't rejoice in wrongdoing. This one hit me hard because there's a saying in, in uh, my house that um, I don't like, but I keep saying it and I'm gonna, I need to stop. But the saying is, is if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. And I do that as a joke, but guess what? I don't want to rejoice at wrongdoing. I want to rejoice at my kids doing what they're supposed to be doing. Living the truth, which is the next thing. Love rejoices with the truth. Do you celebrate the things, the small things with your kids? Do you celebrate the small things and go, I'm so happy that you did this great job. Or do you say things like, ah, well, could have done better. You did good on this, but. And then it goes on to the last four things in there. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Going back to the hope thing, I wonder if sometimes we sit there and say, Well, I hope you do this. I hope you get these things done. But instead, what if we gave them hope in being who God is asking them to be? Because when we give them that sort of hope, 
in the midst of all of it, we can bear lots of things because we know that their faith is in Jesus Christ and, and can be in Jesus Christ, not based on how well we do as parents, but we can continue to keep encouraging them. And so we can bear a lot of things. And love believes a lot of things. And lastly, the last thing is when it endures things. Man, we can really continue to encourage. Even when we failed and we messed up, no, our love for our children goes, no, that's not good enough. I want to continue to do more things. And before I head to the last point, there's an amazing podcast that just came out this week. Uh, <laughs> this is really funny because uh, if, I, if you remember, I told you back in Mother's Day to listen to this podcast. And so uh, a really great podcast that just came out uh, from the God-Centered Mob podcast. Yes, I listened to this podcast. The God-Centered Mom podcast is just about fathers. You go check it out. Uh, it came out this week. Please, if you, if you have any sort of time, uh, fathers, uh, check it out. Mothers, check it out, okay? And the last, last point that I have to make today is this. At the very beginning of this verse, it starts with fathers. And I find this incredibly interesting because in Colossians chapter 3, verse 20, it does say, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. And then it goes right into fathers, it doesn't say mothers, it goes right into fathers. In fact, actually, after that verse, really, mothers aren't brought into this. And I think this is a very, impress, uh, this is a very, this is very impressing on me. When it says fathers, do not provoke your children. Because fathers, I believe that this boils down to us. Fathers, as much as we can say that we have amazing mothers, amazing wives in our lives. It is our duty to make sure that we are doing what God has asked us to do in terms of the household. I'll give you a, a perfect example of that. 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 4 says this. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. Wives might make things and mothers might make the home a home. But it is the father that manages the household. And it boils down to us as fathers. And I'm sorry for those of you who have had not really good fathers to really help out. It wasn't a good thing for you. But if you are a father in this room today, I believe that, that in this scripture, God is asking us that we would be the example in our households, that we wouldn't leave it to our wives, that we wouldn't leave it to something else, but that we would take it up and go, hey, let's do this. Let's be the spiritual leaders in this. It's not going to be perfect. None of us are. We are sinful. But I think that this is encouraging because... I think this is encouraging because we've already been given the example in the Bible. And like that video that we saw before all of this, we know where to go for the answers. We know the time that we can spend with God in all of this. 
to be able to understand that, God, I'm fixing it right now so that I can enjoy it for years to come. So, fathers, please, would you be, would you be and have a desire to stir up so that people can be encouraged in faith, hope, and love? Let's pray. Dearly, Father God, as we go about the rest of our day, Lord, would we be encouraging to everyone? But in terms of Father's Day, Lord, would we be encouraging in our household to our children? Lord, would we stir up in them a desire to, to love you with the foundation of having faith in you, the hope that that this present time doesn't have, to, doesn't have to always stay that way, that you give hope, that you're constantly fixing us and, and working on us. And God, would we give love? Would we be patient? Would we be kind? Would we look for times in which that we can give teachable moments? God, help us. Starting right now as we walk outside of this building. We love you, Lord. There's nobody else you'd rather serve. In your name we pray, amen. It's God who gives the encouragement to us to, <laughs> to be stirred up in our hearts, to have faith in him and hope and love. Would you guys walk with that today? Love you all. Have a good Sunday. Thanks for joining us again for another sermon of the GEC podcast. Connect with us at GlasgowEC.com or every Sunday morning at 10 here in Glasgow, Montana. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes because this helps us share the word with more people. See you next week.